as I opened up Matthew's gospel, the first of the gospels, I immediately went to the 18th verse of the first chapter. And this is how the birth of Jesus came about. Now, isn't that the way that we start Christmas? This is how the birth of Jesus came about. And I thought that would be a good thing for me to preach on. It being Christmas and all. And as I was thinking about that, I I looked across the page of my Bible and and that's not where it started. It started with a long genealogy. But let me start with verse 18 first. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. This, this is a great story, isn't it? Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. I like Joseph. You know, Joseph never speaks in the Bible, but he always obeys. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. It's a good man. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means church. God, Y'all know the story too, don't you? When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home to be his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. What a story. Now I'm going to read the other, pa- the other page. <laughs> Such an interesting story. It would, it would seem like that that's the story I'd want to be in, the one I just read. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. As I said earlier, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. And over and over that would come to me. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. For Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's the enduring story. That's the true story. Of Christmas. God has a plan. A plan of salvation. A plan that delivers and overcomes sin and death. Jesus Christ is central to God's plan. As we already read, as 
Jay and Katrina read, no matter how many promises God has made, they're all yes and amen in Jesus Christ to the glory of God. No matter how many promises, God has a plan. And Jesus Christ is simple, central to that plan. I want to remind you that God's plan is prior to creation. In 2 Timothy 1.9, we read this. God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own plan and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Try to wrap your minds around that story. Before the beginning of time, before creation, God had a plan. Jesus Christ was central to that plan. And that plan was God's grace out of God's love. Before the beginning of time. Today we lit the third candle in Advent. The candle of love. Scripture tells us, as I read earlier, God is love. And that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. That God did not send his son to condemn the world, no. He sent his son into the world to save the world. That's God's plan. Oh, the love of God that drew salvation's plan. I like to read the old saints. I like to read the Augustines, the Thomas Aquinas, and the Kempis. One of the 18th century that I enjoy is a man named George MacDonald. He was kind of a mentor to um, uh, C.S. Lewis. It's good to have a lot of smart people you know, <laughs> listening to what you're saying. That was omniscient. Um, but listen to what George, this is what's important though. Listen to what George MacDonald has to say. Love is the essence of God's nature. It is his right to create and his power to create. But, is out, but it is out of his love that he does create. Oh, the love of God that drew salvation's plan. So on this third Sunday of Advent, let us prepare our hearts by praying that we might in some way be able to grasp how wide and long, how deep and high is the love of God for all of us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now I get to the hard part. Matthew begins his gospel, not with the announcement of the angels like Luke does, but with the genealogy of Jesus. Beginning with Abraham, through David, to Joseph, the husband of Mary. 42 generations, covering approximately 2,000 years. This genealogy begins with a supernatural birth. 
Abraham is 100 years old. Sarah is way past childbearing age. Isaac is born. And Isaac is the son of God's promise. The genealogy that we look at in Matthew ends with the birth of Jesus, the promised one, in whom are all of God's promises, yes and amen. So as we look at this genealogy, from Abraham to Joseph, from this supernatural birth to the really supernatural birth, God has a plan. Oh, the love of God that drew salvation's plan. Jesus, the promised one, in whom all God's promises are yes and amen. Now, bear with me. I'm not going to read all these names. And I'll just tell you, it is a, indeed a true Bible scholar who has this memorized. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadad. Abinadad, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, I'm going to stop right there. That's a lot of people. If we go on and read down the 17th verse, it says, Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. And I just read you the first 14. Huh. We need to keep in mind this grace was given us in Christ before the beginning of time. So God has a plan. Now, that's the first thing I started to understand. Not verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus came about, but a record of the genealogy of Jesus from Abraham to David to Joseph. God has a plan, a plan of salvation prior to creation. In the genealogy then, we see God's plan of salvation of unfold from Abraham and Sarah to Joseph and Mary. What we see in this is we read all these names. That salvation is not something spur of the moment. Not something hastily drawn up. But expected. Expected. Foretold. In this same chapter, verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet and through the prophets. 
God's plan of salvation. You see, he is the Christ-promising God above us, working his plan. As we read the genealogy, shaping Israel's history, keeping faith with his promises. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Mary, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. You should call him Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Lord is salvation. A human name. Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah. A divine name. In Matthew's genealogy, the deepest meaning of history is not the birth of the world, but the birth of the world's Savior. From God's promise to Abraham that through him all the peoples of the earth would be blessed, to God's promise to Mary that the child born to her would be the Son of God, the bringer of God's salvation. As we've been looking at Matthew's genealogy, I've been underscoring, highlighting God's plan. And I want to call attention to God's love. The love that drew salvation's plan. The love represented by this third candle that we lit today. In the opening five verses that I read, you heard four women mentioned. Why are they there? Why did Matthew put them in his genealogy? You see, it's surprising that women are mentioned at all in a genealogy. And when women are mentioned, they're only added to ensure the purity of the line or give it enhanced dignity. Now, without spending a lot of time on this, what I'm going to tell you is all four of these women that are mentioned are somehow either racially or morally problematic. We might call them irregulars. Now, my son-in-law is a shopper. He doesn't just wait for Christmas to shop. He shops year-round. And when he goes to a store, he looks for irregulars. He looks for sales. Just something that maybe is a little bit wrong, but you can't really see it. But the price has been dropped way down because it's an irregular. And, oh, he's proud of those irregulars. <laughs> so we have four women mentioned. Tamar, Ruth, Rahab. The fourth one's really not mentioned by name. It says the fourth one is Uriah's wife. Now I want to tell you, I'm not going to go into the four stories. I thought they were R-rated, but I read them again and they're X-rated. Just remember, 
David, the fourth woman not mentioned is who? Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. What happened to Uriah? David had him murdered. These are hard stories in here. But what I want you to hear is why Matthew included these through the Holy Spirit. So in studying these genealogies of Matthew, we find that some generations are admitted, some Hall of Famers are not included. So what is Matthew saying to us in his genealogy? What is it about God's plan, his love that drew salvation's plan? Let me just give you just a thumbnail sketch. Not going to even mention Judah. That's the worst story in the whole deal. Maybe not. Maybe David does. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. A Canaanite, a Jerichoite, a Moabite, and a Hittite. A deceiver, a harlot, a servant, an adulteress. All are non-Jews. Listen to what Deuteronomy says about that. No Moabite or Ammonite or any other ite may enter the assembly or any of their descendants, even down to the tenth generation. None of these can enter into the assembly of the Lord. How long is ten generations? I mean, everybody that set that up is going to be dead, you know, by, you know when that, that length of time is up. That's serious. None of these ites or their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, even down to the tenth generation. All are non-Jews. All are questionable, problematic concerning their social racial, or moral standing. Okay, here's the kicker. All are great-grandmothers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <laughs> oh, the grace that brought it down to man. What Matthew is preaching in his genealogy is the love that drew salvation plan is welcoming to outsiders. The love that drew salvation's plan is freely and forgiving of repentant sinners. This is the gospel of the genealogy. If God welcomes outsiders and forgives repentant sinners and includes them in his family tree, should we not also care for them, help them, and fight for them? Love never fails. Paul expressed it this way in Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel salvation. How wide is God's love in Christ Jesus? It's worldwide. For as I said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. 
that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. God's kingdom is open to all who would come in repentance and faith. No one is outside of God's salvation plan. Jesus is not only the sin bearer, he's the barrier breaker, breaking down social, moral, racial, cultural, and gender barriers. All are overcome in Christ and can be overcome by all of those who are in Christ. The love that drew salvation's plan never fails, never gives up, and never runs out. As the psalmist says, your, Lord, your love, O oh Lord, endures forever. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Because you see, not only the star over the manger where the child of promise was to be born, but that star is all also shining about eight miles to the north over Mount Calvary, where Jesus will deliver us from sin. He was born to deliver us from sin. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's why we call it the good news. God does for us what we could not do for ourselves. And here's a beautiful picture of God's plan of salvation from Abraham to David 14 generations from David to the exile 14 generations from the exile to Christ 14 generations this is a plan folks this isn't happenstance Matthew wants us to know God's plan this is how the birth of Christ came about. God's plan, God's timing. God's grace come down in Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's mission twice in these next verses after the genealogy. It's God's initiative. God's plan and God working it out. Taking the initiative to bring about what he had promised. Spiritual birth in Mary and spiritual birth in us is the direct agency of the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. So what we see with these first four ladies, we now see Mary is somewhat of a irregular also, isn't she? A virgin birth. Emmanuel. Highly irregular. The angel tells Joseph not to fear. This is a God thing. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is the last prophecy before Christ is born. But it reminds us to go back to the Christmas prophecies of Isaiah. Listen to God's word spoken over 700 years prior to Matthew's writing. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. God's plan, 700 years before the birth of Christ. For to us a child is born. Listen to the progression here. For us a child 
is born. To us, a son is given. The government will become on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, because peace is everything perfectly reconciled to God as he intended it before creation. Prince of Peace. He will deliver his people from their sins. Jesus will save. What we need to know as I conclude is that the virgin will give birth to a son as Isaiah prophesied. Mary was an irregular. What was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' birth was irregular. Son of God. Son of man. Emmanuel. And here's what we all need to hear too. We're all irregulars. All have sinned and fall short the glory of God. We're all irregulars. And Jesus said we must be born again that we too must be born of the Spirit. We must have a virgin birth inside us as well. You must be. And to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Virgin born. Nobody can be born for you. Nobody can be born for me. Yours is a one-of-a-kind, highly irregular new birth in Jesus Christ. So let me conclude with these verses. 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Oh, the love of God that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace of God that brought it down to man. Mile he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die. Wouldn't you invite Jesus into your heart to have a new birth, a spiritual birth, a virgin birth, no one else can do this for you. Only you can receive God's gift. God's gift of love in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of your sins. And life with him. Because in him, no one is an outsider. Amen.